Hello, everyone. Welcome to Heal Thyself. Thank you for joining the show. As always, so much love and gratitude coming from my side that you're taking the time out from your day to open up and expand your knowledge when it comes to health, wellness, and overall just optimizing and bettering your life of your loved ones and yourself. So check this out. Today, really cool show. Uh, the Knowledge Bomb segment, I'm going to go into one of the number one causes of anxiety that you may not be realizing. Something that you are exposed to every single day that you may not even know is right under your nose, causing you tons and tons of anxiety. You may have already guessed it, but we'll go into it in the Knowledge Bomb. Also, very special guest, my friend here, Manaj Diaz, is coming to the show. He's a meditation teacher, but we're not just going to be speaking about meditation. We're going to be speaking about creating a relationship with our body, which is so, so, so important when it comes to our overall health. Understanding that your body has the capacity to heal is so important for us to utilize as a main understanding when it comes to our relationship with our overall health. So Minaj is going to come in, talk about how trauma stored in the body, different meditations we can do to bring awareness to the body and release some of that stress. So without further ado, let's get to this knowledge. All right, I want to bring to the forefront one of the biggest drivers for anxiety. We may not even know it. All right, we're indulging and experiencing in this driver on the daily. All right, you may have already guessed it, but it's going to be our cell phone. Now, I did a cell phone show a while ago. It was called The uh, Electronics on Our Mental Health. And for the past 10 to 15 years, we've been exposed to this completely new stimulus. And our brain has not necessarily had the time to adapt. And when I talk about new stimulus, it's a massive tidal wave of over and over images and stimulus and words and sounds that, again, we are not necessarily used to. Now, the concept of nomophobia is real, and that's the fear of not having cell phone, right? No mobile device phobia. And I've been around people, and I've seen it, where um, I can't have a conversation where they're, until they're reaching for their phone, or the first pause in our conversation, they're reaching for their phone. I'm guilty of it, and I've been there. So I want to go into some of these details about how cell phones are driving anxiety, but also give you some solutions as always. Now, when it comes to cell phones as a whole and how they're affecting our brains, particularly children's, how they're linked to other mental health disorders like depression, you want to check out episode 73. I go into detail about this. But here are some facts that I wanted to lay out before I get into the anxiety aspect. According to the Pew Research Center, Back in 2015, 46% of Americans cannot live without a, smart, a smartphone. And people check their cell phone 47 times per day minimum, but it can go up to hundreds, right? Especially if you're working in my field where I'm always on social media, I'm sure I'm up in the hundreds. And 85% of their people, of people, will check their cell phones when speaking to friends or family. And throughout the world, nearly five billion people are utilizing mobile phones now, while three billion of the people are accessing the internet on a regular basis. So the average user of a cell phone is going to swipe or click their phone about 2,617 times a day. That's astounding when you think about that number, when you think about how much interaction is done between our joints and our muscles of our fingers and the phone. 47% of, of people will try to limit their usage but 30% will succeed 
Only 30 of that 40%, which is wild, right? Not everyone is succeeding, even if we're trying. I mean, average time that people spending uh, spend on their phone is about two hours and 51 seconds per day. And 47% of parents say their child is addicted to their cell phone and it's affecting their school and their behavior, all right? So realistically, when we think about it, technology and screen time has rewired our brains. And it's appearing that increased screen time is causing more of a rewiring or a change in our brains in accordance to it. So uh, when we understand that our brain adapts to environments, it is plastic, so it adapts to the stimulus that it's given. If this is a major part of the stimulus to our brains, then it's something that we need to really think about. How can we create space between us and our cell phone. So a few more facts before I go into this really interesting study. There's a 27% increase in dependency of eighth graders for social media, and they become heavy users of social media. And teens who spend about five plus hours per day on the phone have a 71% increase in suicide risk versus those who spent one hour. And also, those who spent five hours or more a day on their phone had a 51% reduction in sleep. This is in children, right? So we're laying the foundation for a generation of adults who are going to be suffering with anxiety, depression, reduced concentration, reduced focus, shorter attention span, all because of these devices, which have a lot of utility in our lives. But we have to understand how to better our relationship with them because there is an over, there's an overswelling of the relationship that we can be having with our phone and it's really affecting us. So yeah, you may have heard these statistics already, but I really wanted to focus on the anxiety element of this. So March of 2016, University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, uh, they had a very telling study about cell phone usage and human behavior. And it was actually published in a journal called Computers and Human Behavior. And what they did was they surveyed 300 students based on a few points. The points were this the student's state of mental health, the amount of cell phone and internet usage, and why people turn to their electronic devices. So the goal of this study was to evaluate the overall psychological distress that is based on addictive cell phone behaviors and internet usage. So the author of this study, Alejandro Leras, was quoted as saying, People who self-described as having really addictive style behaviors towards the internet and cell phones scored much higher on depression and anxiety scales. However, the researchers found no relationship between cell phone and internet use and negative mental health outcomes among participants who use these technologies to escape boredom. Now, this is a very important distinction we come to. Addictive behaviors versus usage of cell phones based on boredom may be the key into understanding how this anxiety element really works with cell phone usage. You know, skincare isn't just about looking good, right? A lot of us want to look good, but it's not just about looking good. It's about nurturing your skin and being well-balanced from the inside out. And, you know, this world is flooded with a bunch of harsh chemicals that are really insulting our skin, our barrier. And you want something truly effective that is safe. Alitura is one of the best in the game. If you never heard of Alitura, you just think of, you might've seen some uh, black bottles with gold writing on it. It's one of the best. And they're always at health events and people are loving them. And their quality 
Alitara Naturals has crafted a serum that is not only safe, but also incredibly effective. Listen, a lot of you asked me where I get my glow from. This is a huge part of the equation. Their gold serum isn't just another skincare product. It's a testament to the power of natural healing and a commitment to holistic health. It uses organic ingredients like jojoba, olive, rosehip oils, and the gold serum is made organically with plant-derived vitamin A, not synthetic stuff, not that nasty stuff that you're getting in a lot of these over-the-counter products. GHKCU and marine collagen to revitalize your skin. Alitura Naturals has been using the best ingredients in their products for years. They've been pioneering the path for what truly transformed skin should be. So if you're ready to take control of your skin health and experience the pinnacle of natural beauty, I highly recommend checking out Alituria Naturals. For a limited time, you, the Heal Thyself listener, will enjoy the exclusive discount, just the Heal Thyself discount, only for you. That's 20% off of this gold serum. Go to alitura.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A.com and get that 20% discount. It's amazing stuff. I use it every night before bed and I'm telling you, I'm on fire with my skin in a good way. Check it out. All right, let's face it. With all the toxins we're exposed to nowadays with processed foods, pollutants, and even stress, our poor livers have been working overtime. If you've been feeling sluggish, bloated, or just overall rundown, it may be time to give your hardworking liver some extra love and support. That is where Organifi's liver detox comes in. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfoods. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfood ingredients specifically designed to remove excess toxins and improve digestion, promote healthier energy levels, and just overall liver health. Now, one of the key ingredients is artichoke leaf extract, which has been clinically proven to help detoxify the liver and digestive tract. Then you got the all-star liver protector. You heard of it, milk thistle, an herb that has been used for centuries to give your liver a big old hug. That's not all. Organifi's liver detox also contains dandelion root, one of my favorite ones of all time, which is loaded with vitamins and minerals to promote healthy liver function and digestion. And finally, Trafalia, an ancient Ayurvedic formula packed with antioxidants that have been traditionally used as a powerful liver tonic, one of my favorite ones too. So whether you're dealing with sluggish digestion, low energy, or just want to give your body's main detox engine a little extra love, Organifi's Liver Detox has your back. Just take one to three capsules at any point during the day to start supporting your liver's natural detox pathways. All of us need to be supporting our liver. If you want to experience the energy boosting, liver supporting effects of this fantastic formula, head to OrganifiShop.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com slash DRG. So the question is, can we replace what we define as boredom as the opportunity to calm down our nervous system from the electronic stimulus and an opportunity to be more present in the moment that we're in? So there was a follow-up study, and the authors tested having cell phones during stressful situations. And people who had cell phone accessibility were less likely to be negatively affected by stress, which is an interesting thing because the very device that is soothing the anxiety at the time, the stress, is also one of the root causes for anxiety, especially in folks who have addictive personalities. So I want you to keep in mind, what are some of the signs that you are having a relationship with your cell phone that can be predisposing you towards anxiety. Well, you can't get off your cell phone even when you're conversing with someone. You have trouble concentrating or can't finish work or chores or anything that's on your list uh, without being distracted or wanting to check your cell phone. You're beginning to experience sleep issues. You need to be on your phone or you start to feel anxious or irritable. And you think about missing something when you're not on your phone or also, you mask your phone. 
you go to the bathroom while you're at work or events just to check on your phone. If you're falling into any of these particular points of this category, then you may want to think about how healthy the relationship is with your phone. Because again, it can be predisposing us to things like anxiety and depression or reduced concentration, uh, sleep issues. We're at an interesting place in humanity where we have this device that gives us so much benefit and connects us so much. And a lot of our lives, like emails, works, phone calls all day, social media for me is tied up and tethered into this. But also, no one on the other side of it is really speaking to us about what a proper healthy relationship with this device looks like. And less people, particularly professionals, health professionals, or your doctor, I guarantee your doctor didn't sit with you and talk about how long you're on your cell phone or what your relationship with your cell phone is. But many of these health issues that we're seeing, I mean, how many how many times you go to the doctor and go, doctor, I'm, I'm having sleep issues, and they give you a, a sedative or a sleep support instead of say, asking you, number one, what's your relationship with your cell phone? All right, so let's think about that right now. This is an opportunity to, to really push forward this conversation and have it with our loved ones. All right, so all of this going on, I want to give you some solutions that can be really helpful because if any of these things resonate with you, then here's an opportunity to make a change. So what I found that has helped to bring me the most freedom from having a healthier, to have a healthier relationship with my phone is focusing on intentionality. I first had to think about how much am I respecting my own time and my own human experience, right? Because we can easily become distracted and tethered again to this, this device and then neglect many things around us in our space, in our human experience. So it's okay, and I'm not villainizing having a mindless outlet, particularly from the boredom aspect. But again, boredom doesn't necessarily have to be synonymous with cell phone. Boredom can be synonymous with having an opportunity to meditate or be present in nature. But I want to bring attention to just that. How intentional are you being about your life? And then it's gonna bring more attention to the conversation whether or not if you're on the phone or talking to someone face-to-face -face or doing a household task or driving your car, listening to a podcast, or you're on a phone call, or you're waiting for a ride in public transport or an Uber without wanting or needing to check your cell phone at the first opportunity, if any of these things are happening in your life, then you have to bring attention that you're not necessarily free, right? And this, And what I mean by free is having that sense of peace that is just flowing through you where you don't need to be anywhere or do anything, particularly grabbing your cell phone, right? And if you're not free and you're reaching for your cell phone and it's becoming an impulse over a choice, then that freedom is holding you down like an anchor. And if you're not free, then you're bound to this reality that you've convinced yourself that there's a better thing out there than the present moment. And here's where I'm trying to bring your attention and consciousness is that the fact of the matter is, is that there's nothing more fulfilling, safe, warm, peaceful than being rather than doing, right? So this is what I say, if you want a true sense of inner peace, if you want health, if you want your nervous system to be fully relaxed, your immune system to be fully working at its best capacity, then you want to have that inner sense of peace. And, and that's what I call freedom. Now, 
that's that's where you feel that everything is okay. You don't need a cell phone. You don't need your emails. You don't need the internet. You can find peace without reaching for a cell phone to create create fulfillment within that moment. So here's some tips. Bring some gratitude to your phone. Understand what it does for you. Bring love to it, right? And the usages that it gives you, the blessing that it is. But create space after. Create space between you and your cell phone. And this may be the hardest step because it requires a certain amount of momentum to ascend past that discomfort. But I promise you, it gets easier. And how do we create the space? Well, have a definitive time where you do create that space, whether physically or mentally. Uh, what you can do is wake up in the morning or have some time in the afternoon or have some time at night or do all three even better where you block off time where you're not on your phone, right? And even if it's minimum, let's say one hour morning, one hour afternoon, one hour night, that's three hours of daily cell phone usage that's gone down. So now your brain is starting to rewire to another reality, right? The stimulus reduced by three hours. So that percentage of rewiring that's happening in your brain is going to be reduced. And that's a beautiful thing because now you get to refocus that attention into other things. And another thing that's been really helpful, another solution is especially at night, you can put the red light tint on your phone, which makes it much less colorful and attractive to you. And that's also going to be a nice deterrent from bringing you away from your phone. So create these boundaries as a respect to yourself. Right? When your face is looking down at your phone, understand you're missing the biggest gift that life is offering you. And that's the opportunity to be deeply present at any moment of the day. Right? And nothing feels more peaceful to the nervous system to give your full attention to everything from a bird outside to your coworker telling you a story to being profoundly present with your family. That freedom that is available to you will melt away any lingering anxiety that you're feeling without a doubt. So listen to me closely when I say this. You cannot experience anxiety when you are fully present. It's impossible because your mind has become disabled from projecting to the future and has surrendered to the present moment. And you know you've mastered this when you go through the day and sometimes you forget the concept of cell phone or the concept of internet. Right? We have way too much stimulus in our lives. We're overwhelmed daily. So you deserve to give yourself the respect of seeing the world without that distraction. And the people around you, they deserve your full attention, right? Without any filters. And people can always tell when you're, they don't have your full attention. There are subtle cues that we have in life, whether you know it consciously or consciously, people can always tell. And what a way to show up in the world as people going, man, I really, that person is so present. I, that's what I love about them. When I talk to them, they're fully there. What a quality to have when you can be present because it's a gift to the person, but it's also a gift to yourself because you get to be fully present. You get to see people for who they are. And that's incredible without thinking about, oh, gotta go back, gotta get to my purse, gotta get to my gotta get to my bag, gotta get to my, gotta, gotta reach into my pocket and gotta get on my phone and check out what's going on. Whatever, is whatever I've convinced myself is better than the present moment. So here are a few tips that have worked very well for me. Really putting that time to put space between you and your phone is one of the biggest game changers. Uh, again, when you create a schedule or you create non-negotiables, airplane mode, that phone is going to be, even if it has to be in your car away from you or on the couch away from you 
or wherever it may be that it's not accessible and you know that for one hour in the morning, one hour in the afternoon, one hour at night, you're dedicating fully to yourself, whether it's, and, and make sure in these hours where you're not on your cell phone, where you've dedicated no cell phone time, and if it's three times a day, awesome, make sure that within that time, you're finding time to do the opposite of the stimulus that the cell phone's giving you and being present. So find time, do something, whether it's mindful movement, whether it's meditation, whether it's literally going outside, sitting down and paying full attention to every sound you hear, every smell that comes your way, everything you see, and truly being with the birds, with the trees, with the wind, with the dirt, then you're able, you're going to start to put, then you're going to put into process that part of your brain that is negating all of that overstimulus from your cell phone and restoring and rehealing that really strong sensitive brain that we have. So really hope that helped. Um, it's been, it's been really amazing and, and freeing. And look, when, when I put this into practice for myself, I didn't know that I had a low level of anxiety. Like it was just a, a low level of discomfort that I always had to do something or be somewhere. But man, it's so peaceful when you can overcome that part of you that you, I mean, and it's who's to blame. It's a big part of our lives, but now you have control and you can better your relationship. Okay. All right. So check this out. Manaj Diaz. He is awesome. What an amazing meditation teacher. What an amazing mind when it comes to just a relationship with ourselves and community. So I can't wait to get him on. Let's get to this special guest segment. And I'm so excited to have this conversation. Manaj Diaz is dropping in to talk about meditation. He's a meditation teacher, but also an author and the co-founder of Open out here in LA. And I have so many questions for you, man. You, co you come here and it's like, you are the pinnacle of like, the such an integral part that we're not paying attention to meditation mindfulness alignment being that peace our nervous system relaxing how many of us are walking around right now in los angeles completely not mindful our thoughts running around and our bodies holding in all of this trauma and anxiousness do you yeah. feel that from people he out here well, I think I've always felt that. And I think like what science and research tells us is that that's true, right? So there's two parts to that. One part is how many people are walking around not mindful, not present. And that's chances are at, at some point in time, it's almost every single one of us. Um, there was a really interesting research piece that came out from Harvard, like I think in, in 2015 and the meditation world was talking about it. Um, it said that 46% of our times, our minds are not actually here. So when you scale that, that's literally half of our day or almost half of our life that our minds aren't really on the present moment, right? So that's like one element to it. But then you talked about like the trauma, you talked about the nervous system being shook up. And I think that's almost every single person that has lived through the last 18 months, right? Like we have experienced at some point uh, a, a moment of probably of collective trauma. And some of us are aware of that. Some of us can acknowledge that. And for others, it's difficult, right? Even for me, after like 15 years of having a very solid meditation practice, knowing all the ways that I now feel anxious in big group environments, like that's a degree of trauma that I didn't even know I had. All my reluctance to, to do or to work the way that I did prior to, to COVID, right? Like that's a moment of trauma. Like I just don't have the energy like, like I used to. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, almost every single one of us is processing something at this mm -hmm. moment in time. 50% almost? Are you kidding me? Most of our lives? Yeah. Yeah. I forgot who the, the, the researchers were on that, but 
it was wild to just consider how often, and you can even notice it like within our conversation, like, you know, every 18 seconds, I think they said, actually a lot less, it was seven or eight seconds, like our minds go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And when you add those up, it just, it blows your mind how not present we are in this moment. Yeah. So for people viewing or listening, the, the natural question, if they never heard of this concept, is why do I have to be present in the moment? Right. Yeah. And, you know, there's, again, a lot of sides to that. One is the, the medical benefits and the health benefits of being really present. You know, we know that our brains begin to atrophy after the age of 21 and specifically the frontal cortex. Um, and one of the ways that we can not necessarily stop that, but slow down the, the atrophy of the brain is through mindfulness practice and, and more engagement with the present moment, you know, more activation of those areas of the brain that regulate, you know, our short term memory, decision making, emotions, all of that. But for me, I don't really lean too much on the science and the research because I'm not a scientist or, mm -hmm. a, or, or a doctor like you are. You should be talking about this. <laughs> but for me, it's more like the quality of my day-to-day -day experience. Yeah. If I'm present in this moment, like I can have like a real authentic connection with someone. I can be there for my family. I can be there for the things that actually light me up. And that's really what motivates me when I practice and when I teach is like, I don't want to miss half my life. Like life is short enough as it is. Mm -hmm. I want to be more engaged and more present in the moments that I am there. Mm -hmm. Some of the most beautiful moments that I realize are when I'm doing something that I'm forced to be in a flow state. It's been a long time since I promoted a coffee because there's not that many good coffee brands. We got one of the best ones now on Heal Thyself. Are you ready to elevate your coffee game? And experience a brew that's not only delicious, but it's also health focused. Let me introduce you to Purity Coffee. You heard me review them in one of my first ever coffee reviews as one of the best. And then my second ever one as one of the best. And it's one of the best still. It's an ultimate choice for coffee lovers who, who prioritize taste as well as well-being. I'm going to tell you what makes Purity Coffee stand out from the crowd. Every step in that process is rooted in health-focused principles backed by solid scientific research-based rigorous testing. They use the finest specialty grade organic Arabica beans and then move on to small batch roasting, ensuring that each cup meets the highest standards of quality. But what really sets Purity Coffee apart from all the other coffee brands is their dedication, is my favorite, is their dedication to purity and safety. Their beans undergo third-party testing to ensure they're free of pesticides, toxins, and harmful mycotoxins, those pesky substances that can wreak havoc on your health, causing issues like liver and kidney damage, digestive problems, brain fog, and fatigue. Purity Coffee also has some of the highest antioxidant capacity, and this is important because we have to understand coffee is actually really good for us when we're getting quality coffee. And the reason it's good for us and ensures so many benefits, especially heart health, is because of its antioxidant capacity. Purity has one of the highest antioxidants that you're going to find in coffee, giving you a powerful dose of healthy boosting compounds with every sip. Purity Coffee is grown on regenerative organic farms that prioritize soil health, animal welfare, and community well-being. They have certifications by USDA Organic, Rainforest Alliance, and Smithsonian Bird Friendly. You can also trust Purity Coffee is not only good for you, but also good for the planet. They have a range of roasts from their light medium roasts with sweet fruity notes and their dark roasts with rich bold taste. So to try out one of my favorite coffees in existence and one that I recommend to everyone still to this day, I've been doing it for years, is Purity Coffee. Go to puritycoffee.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your first purchase. That is P-U-R-I-T-Y-C-O-F-F-E-E.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your order. You know, living a long life is great. It is. We all want to live longer. 
But what's even better is living those years in good health, right? Free of the chronic diseases and the ailments. Unfortunately for many, the gap between lifespan and health span is way too wide. And we spent our last years ill, not enjoying our life to the fullest. And that's why I'm always into research-based products, quality supplements that are coming out to you, the highest, the best of the best, some of the best rigorously tested supplements. And one of my favorite companies across the board is Momentus. And they have two that I use every single day, creatine and collagen. These are the two powerhouses at work. I've been open. Opened and I've been working out more four times a week. I'm lifting heavy weights. And these are staples. And, I, and not just me. I think everyone should be out working out, building muscle. Staples to muscle repair and muscle growth. But what sets Momentus apart from the rest is its clinically researched formulas. For the collagen, it delivers 15 grams of collagen, supporting your body in various ways. And it's not just one type of collagen, it's all the types of collagen, right? A lot of companies just have one type of collagen. You want all the types of your body's absorbing and utilizing this collagen the way you desire the body to use it. But boy, oh boy, the gold standard for working out, if you're not on this, you don't even have to be working out. You can use it for your brain. It's creatine. The momentous creatine is fantastic. There's no fillers, no additive, pure, effective ingredients you can trust. Trust is everything when it comes to supplements. Momentous third-party test. There's no surprises. What you see on the package is what you get. So if you're like me, you want to feel your body with the best of the best, go to livemomentous.com and use the code DRG for 15% off of creatine and collagen and all their top-notch products. That is L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S.com with the code DRG for your discount. Say, for example, like, let's say mountain biking or something. Mm. I'm going down a hill and I'm like, whoa, I don't have time to think. I'm just reacting. It, it, it sort of led me to believe, and I remember that moment, I was like, I think this is why people do extreme sports. So it just forces them to be present. You know, and they're like, oh, I'm addicted to extreme sports. I think you're just addicted to how good you feel in the present moment. Right. And and I think what extreme sports and flow states really are is just a heightened state of mindfulness, mm -hmm. right? And we each have those moments, like whether they're having a conversation, whether it is doing something extreme, whether it's having a deep and meaningful conversation, like there's a degree of presence, there's a degree of connection, there's a degree of compassion almost as well. And with extreme sports, you know if you're not present, you're probably going to die, yeah. right? So that that gets you into that zone. And the interesting thing is with, with mindfulness and with meditation, we can recreate those moments. Like it takes a certain degree of focus, certain degree of having a goal to achieve as well. You know, I just did uh, an event last week on flow states. That's why it's fresh in my mind. Mm -hmm. You need to have a goal in mind in which you're trying to attain. You need to give yourself this ultimate focus and concentration and you need to remove distractions. Mm -hmm. And we know we can recreate those moments, right? We remove the distractions by just being present right here. We give our awareness to the conversation that we're having and we have a goal, which is to connect. Mm -hmm. So it can, it can ha happen almost whenever we want. Yeah, and getting into that flow state is very difficult for a lot of us because let's say even in a workflow state, right? What I find is, wow, I don't feel really creative sometimes. And it's hard for me to feel creative unless, like you said, removing distractions. So the biggest the biggest monkey wrench to my creation is my phone. Mm. It's crazy. It's like all of a sudden it's like buzzing or even if it's not buzzing, like I'm just checking it real quick. Right, right. And I was like, damn, I was in such a flow. I find that that is like, do you find that like the, the way society set up with all these distractions particularly in the past few years with, you know, different apps and different notifications. That's one of the major disruptors for flow, getting in a flow state. Yeah, I mean, I think technology is one of them for mm -hmm. sure. And I think it's because of the dopamine hit that we get as soon as we check our phone, right? Um, and now we've been conditioned to believe that whatever is happening on our phones is better than whatever's happening in real life. And I get it too. Like I'll be writing and I'm like, oh, I haven't checked 
Instagram for a moment. What's happening? And then I see that little red icon and there's something inside of me that, that lights up. And, you know, when you're really present to your bodies, you notice that. And I notice that. I notice like that little of like that little excitement that I get from, you know, someone sending me a DM or someone, you know, liking my photo, which is wild to think about that because that's essentially like we're taking drugs like every single moment of our day and we get hooked on it in the same thing with drugs. Like a dopamine hit comes, 20 minutes later we feel it again, we want to check it again. And so we have to really create some meaningful meaningful routines around Mm -hmm. not being able to interact with our technology the way we have been. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the things that you do to take that technology away, get in your creative writing state or teaching state? Because a lot of us say that we want to do these things or we might even do them for a few days and it's just so hard because they come back into our lives because so much of our life is based on technology. Yeah. And and for me, I'm not someone that believes that we should cut technology out altogether because we need it and this is modern life. But I think it's changing our relationship to it. So um, first of all, I turn off all my notifications, um, even emails, whatever it is. And then if I want to check my Instagram or my Facebook or my email, I have to choose to do it. My phone's not going to tell me to check Mm -hmm. it. The second thing I do is I don't touch my phone until 8 a.m. And so I'll wake up most days at 6 I have like a, I'll have my alarm on my phone, but outside of that, I won't use it. And what that really does, it allows me to just wake up naturally and normally. It allows like the melatonin levels in my body to kind of go down as I look off into the sunset or the sunrise, actually. Um, I can have a conversation with my girlfriend. I can just feel like I'm waking up naturally. Sometimes when I do check my phone without being so mindful, I can feel myself already going to an activation of my nervous system. Yeah. Like if there's a meeting coming up that I'm not prepared for or if I read something about something happening in the world, I'm like, and like those moments in the morning are sacred for me, man. I, I don't want to like wake up like that. And then I actually allocate time actually to use social media. And when I do that, I don't feel guilty about it. If I'm like, hey, 3 p.m., I got nothing to do. Like I'm going to give myself like 40 minutes to just mm. do whatever I want. And that's pure, unadulted time on social media, guilt-free, right? And that feels really good because I know like this is the 45 minutes I'll give to my day and after that I won't use it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it always works. I'm not saying I don't touch my phone outside of those hours. It's work even for me. But I know on the days that I create these healthy routines, I go to sleep a lot better. Like I wake up a lot better. My body doesn't feel as burnt out and as wired. A hundred percent. This is is the thing that I find that... If I don't wake up with my phone near me and then I go to sleep with a ritual about an hour mm. without my phone, man, my sleep scores on my aura ring are like awesome. Right. But also how I feel. I'm like, whoa, I feel creative. I feel like I can I feel like I can do an improv and a freestyle rap at the same time. Right. <laughs> you know, right. like right put me on bed. the spot. I'm so fast. Yeah, <laughs> right before bed, I feel so good. Um, but one thing you said is how your nervous system is activated. I find that because there's been days like, I'm like, oh, I don't feel like doing rituals. And, and I, I got to be at the house in 20 minutes anyway. Mm. I reach for my phone and I find that like my hands get sweaty in bed. I'm like, mm. why are my hands sweaty? My mm. feet sweating. And it's like the nervous system is already knows what it's getting into. Whereas that never happens if mm. I just lay in bed and just, you know, sort of think about what I'm grateful for. Right, right. And yeah, well, in, in one of the important things um, that I've been telling people to do, especially in 2020, where meditation has been hard for a lot of people, like myself included, it's freaking hard in the middle of a pandemic to just, you know, let things go and, you know, concentrate like we used to, is to 
do some slow diaphragmatic breaths. And this for me, and like that and breath work, I know you've spoken of breath work before, mm-hmm. has been a game changer for me, you know, in those moments right before bed or in the morning when I feel the pangs of anxiety or tension is to do um, the box breath, you know, four breaths in, hold, four breaths out, hold. And what this does is like you're slowing the, the heart rate, you're actually taking in less breaths per minute. And this just whew, brings my nervous system right down. And in those moments, it actually prepares me for a meditation, you mm. know, and um, I think little hacks like this, I've started to integrate more into my day and into my life because sometimes I don't have 30 minutes or 45 minutes like I used to in 2019 to do these practices. Now I'm just finding ways to, to drop into that space. Mm-hmm. I love the, the, like the pre-meditation, the pre-meditation hack, because I, f- I find sometimes I sit down, my heart's beating. I'm ready to go. Like my body's like, no, go for the day. Go now. You're ready to work out. Now you're ready to right. open your emails. That's the hardest for me f- to meditate. But really integrating something like a breathwork technique, I don't know why I didn't think about that. But I'll just like my body will relax and then I'll get into it. Yeah, I mean it, it, these days you just get whatever you can from wherever you can, right? Yeah. And um, I think preparing for a practice is so important because the ability to just be with what is. You can't surpass that. Like I personally, and other people have different opinions, don't think um, a movement practice replaces a meditation practice. I think they should work together. And breath work is the same. I don't think it, for me, it replaces my meditation practice, but I use them together and I get the benefits of, mm-hmm. of both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so then are you a believer that if someone someone does yoga, they should do the meditation with it? Yeah, I mean, I'm a believer that you can experience mindfulness in, in many different ways, right? You can have it, do it having sex. You can do it eating food. Mm-hmm. There's many ways to feel the effects of mindfulness. But for me, I don't believe anything replaces a mindfulness meditation practice because it's so much more concentrated, right? Yeah. You're having to sit there and you're having to observe thoughts come. You're having to not respond with judgment. You're having to cultivate compassion and yeah. kindness. And there are moments you can do it in your day and in your yoga practice or movement practice but for me, there's, there's nothing that's quite as beneficial as that concentrated, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes where you're just sitting with the experience of your mind. Mm-hmm. So you started off in the Buddhist practice of, and we were talking a little bit off air about the, the and that's mindful base, or you're just working with the mind, focus, concentration, and you sort of shifted that a little bit more towards the body? Like what, where, do, where does your, where'd your progression go? Yeah, so I, I was raised in the Buddhist context um, at home in, in Sri Lanka, which is where I was born. And I was raised in the Theravada Buddhist tradition, which has a big focus on liberation through the mind. So freeing our mind of suffering. And suffering here is, you know, stress, anxiety, worry, all of those different things. It was a very cognitive experience for me. And over time, I just realized I was, thinking a lot and I was bypassing a lot of very important things. And this idea of bypassing is is very prevalent now when we think of people going to meditation or going to yoga to avoid feeling bad, right? And that's not really what meditation teaches us to do. Meditation is not getting rid of unpleasant things in our life. It's changing our relationship to it because ultimately what we realize is we can't avoid bad things happening in our life. They just naturally tend to happen, right? So uh, over the last five to seven years, my practices moved from the Theravada Buddhist tradition to more what's called the Mahayana Buddhist tradition, and in particular practices like somatic practices, so working with the body as a field of awareness and working with anger, working with sadness, and using the energy of that to transform our experience, not actually saying the experience is bad or not actually trying to get rid of it, but just using the energy of anger, which is so powerful and so potent, and we should be using that 
because it has a tremendous ability to change things in our life, right? Anger when used properly. Um, and I think most of us don't, don't recognize that, right? We think anger is bad. I want to feel happy all the time. And if I'm not happy, let me go do a yoga class or let me drink this green juice or let me do this diet. And really the holistic understanding of meditation practice is working with emotions skillfully. Mm-hmm. And, and transforming it so you can utilize it in your life more effectively. Yeah. And, and transforming sometimes can sound like changing it, but actually using it, like using the yeah. anger to, to make something. Because think about a time, you know, for you when you were really angry and all of a sudden your mind just got really sharp. Mm. It got really clear. You knew exactly what you wanted to do and what it was you wanted to create. Yeah. But then you might not have reacted with skillfulness, right? And that might mean you might have yelled, you might have stormed off, you might have hit things. And meditation teaches us to use that energy, which is so freaking potent, but to do it in, in a way which actually gets you the result you want to do, which is change, which is, you know, at that moment, you're not happy with something and you want that to, to be something else. It's interesting you say it because there's moments where I've had like anger come up and then I'm like, why am I even doing, not even, it didn't have to do with the thing that got me angry. I'll think of something else and be like, why am I even doing this? I don't even like doing this. Like right. I'm so angry. I just want to like cut it off. Right. And that's, that's exactly what everyone does in modern society. I want to cut off this because it feels unpleasant. Right. And again, meditation teaches us that there isn't pleasant and unpleasant things. Like everything is just there. Like there are ways that we respond to, to pleasant feelings and ways that we respond to negative feelings. But at the end of the day, they're just feelings. And mm-hmm. feelings are messages, right? Mm-hmm. Like we need them. We need to know because at that moment, your body's telling you, I don't want to do this. But your mind is like, no, I should be doing this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And how amazing it would be just to have this intuition that's speaking to us all the time and to be like, ooh, I'm going to listen to that. Mm-hmm. In order for us to do that, we have to slow down our thinking and we have to be really present to our bodies. Mm-hmm. I, I love that you say that because you said field of awareness for our bodies. A lot of us are so out of touch with our bodies. Man, out of touch that we're eating foods that we don't even know are affecting us so badly, we're just not even making the connection. That's how out of touch we are. Through meditation, is that sensitizing you head to toe to not only like, okay, this food bothers me, but like this place bothers me, this person doesn't really jive with me. Is that is it heightening our awareness the more we do it consistently? A hundred percent. And and really what we're cultivating is an intimacy with life, right? We're getting to know our responses moment to moment. So in this conversation, I feel very energized right now as an example. And the way I know I'm energized is that I feel like energy rushing from my belly into my chest. And then as the belly the energy rushes belly into my chest. I feel a mental clarity in this conversation with Mm -hmm. you. And like, I'm tuned to right now to all of these things, right? But if the conversation wasn't going well, I would have noticed like my mind wandering away. Like, what am I going to eat after that? Like, geez, I'm I'm really hungry and he's talking about food. And what what food am I going to eat? And so I think the more we do of anything, and we know this through neuroplasticity, the more we do of anything, the better we become of it and the more intimately we begin to understand that. And so listening to our body is the same thing. Sometimes though, we don't like what the body is telling us, right? Right. And it's like, you know, I'm feeling sad and we don't want to hear that because we've got a big day at work and we need to power through it. So it's like, let me get my coffee, let me do some push-ups, let me just get on with it. And that might work. And that is needed from time to time, right? But there's also a tremendous value in just slowing down and going like, okay, what is it that I need right now, right? And the body is always telling us. It's very intelligent and we're very 
attuned to it, but we just don't listen to it. Mm-hmm. I remember, and talking about the body's intelligence, it's funny, before you came, I did um, uh, the knowledge bomb segment, segment of the show talking about the innate intelligence of the body and how it's more intelligent than any doctor mm. out there or any scientist. And and you sort of know it because your body can heal a cut, but also your body knows how to work through those emotions. And we, with the mind, think we're so smart and we shove those emotions mm. deep down inside and we suppress them and the body's continuously trying to release them. Right. Um, look how strong the mind is. Are, are, it it's always keeps me in awe, like how we can hold in grief, hold in anger, hold in sadness. Yeah. yeah. But we can't hide it. We can't hide it. And, and what you say, it's so potent because it's conditioning. It's social conditioning, right? And it's the prevailing view that there are certain feelings that are good and certain feelings that are bad. A whole industry, the wellness industry, is being created on certain feelings being good and certain feelings being bad. So what I know to be true, and, and the Buddha spoke about this because you know, in, in his four foundations of mindfulness, he said the first foundation is the body. The body is present. It is always here. The body is receptive to the present moment um, because it is, right? Like our minds can be in the past or the future. It can be thinking about different things, but our body is literally here. And in order for us to decondition from the cultural conditioning, we have to stop. We have to begin to train our mind and we can do that. We can retrain our mind like we can our bodies mm-hmm. to, to be really engaged with the moment just as it's unfolding. Mm-hmm. I love that because that's sort of our antenna to feel what the heck, again, the awareness, our body awareness of what's going on in the room. How do we mm-hmm. feel into that? Do we want to even do that? It took a while, but for me, I noticed that if I don't want to do something, it's right in my stomach. Yeah. And it's like a knot. And and still, how many times I was like, no, no, forget that knot. I'm just going to do it because I'm supposed to. Right. It's right. wild. And, and a really interesting thing is like, you know, um, we've heard, right, when it comes to true love and when you meet someone and you get butterflies, um, it's like, oh, you know, it's special because you get butterflies. The Buddhist view on that is actually quite different. It's when you just feel really calm, like there's no butterflies. There's just like a feeling of, I feel like I'm at home with this person. And and when I'm around people and I feel that, that's when I feel the most authentic and the most at ease. That's when I feel the most comfortable is when I can, I feel like I'm at home with mm-hmm. this person. And when it comes to love, like that's how I know, like if I'm with someone um, and I feel that that sensation, I'm like, oh, there's something really special here because it's not often we get to feel that. Interesting, because we're looking at all of the romantic comedies, and they're like, "Oh my god, I got butterflies in my belly right. from my first date with him," you know. Uh, but the way the way you say it is so true, because the people who've been closest to me in my life, I I've been the most authentically outspoken, performance based, dramatic, sassy Christian you will ever see from the get go, day one. Like my personality is out there without mm. fear. But but it's sort of you have to have that feeling of just like that that calmness in the stomach, you know, and that's. I mean, in the stomach or the whole body, but for right. me, it's in my stomach. And I know it, it varies and, and it's good. We're not trying to say the butterflies aren't good. Like there are also messages, right? Um, but I think there's something amazing to feeling really safe around someone. And I think safety is what I feel around like my family or my my best friend or my girl. And that's the feeling of safety allows me to be most authentic Mm -hmm. self, right? Now let's chat about something crucial that is omega-3s. You know I'm all about keeping clean and pure when it comes to products as well as food on my plate. But when it comes to supplements, right, we have to make sure we have the best of the best, but especially when it comes to omega-3s. And and I really mean it. Omega-3s are some of the most adulterated supplements that exist out there. And a lot of companies aren't doing it right. We need omega-3s for our heart, for our brain, for our eye health. You might not be getting enough nutritionally. When it comes to Peori, 
It's a quality brand, not only just with Omegas across their whole line. They're extremely transparent. Every batch undergoes rigorous testing against over 200 contaminants, and you could check the results for yourself. And that's one of my favorite things. You can scan the QR code and look at the batch that is right in front of you that is on your shelf or on your counter, and you can see the results for this quality testing. Pure's O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil delivers a potent dose of EPA and DHA without any unnecessary extras. Now, Pure is offering 20% off of their O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil, the one that I take every single morning, and all their fantastic products to you, the Heal Thyself listener. That's 20% off even the already discounted subscription price. I want you to go to Puri.com. Use my promo code DRG. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash DRG to take care of your health with some of the best omegas out there by Puri. These days... These days, it seems like everyone is carrying on a beverage, whether it's soda or flavored water, or kombucha, or coffee or tea. But not all beverages are created equal when it comes to quality and health benefits. That is why I become obsessed with Peaks Sun Goddess Matcha. I've been using this for, it's one of the first supplements I really invested in. It's four years ago, probably. And it's not just any old matcha powder. We're talking organic ceremonial grade matcha tea that has been meticulously screened for pesticides, heavy metals, mold, and even radioactive isotopes. Peak takes no shortcuts. Their matcha is cultivated by ninth degree tea masters in Kagoshima, Japan, using century old traditions. Their plants are shaded for 35% longer than usual to maximize the production of vital compounds like L-theanine for calm, steady energy and chlorophyll for its detoxifying anti-aging properties. I start every morning with a frothy cup of sun goddess matcha, not just for energizing my body, you know, we all want to get that caffeine kick, yeah, okay, but for the amazing gut health, metabolism boosting, and antioxidant benefits. The phytonutrients nurture my digestive system, the EGCG compounds help my body burn calories efficiently, and the chlorophyll gives my skin the awesome reading. You see I'm glowing right now, right? That's because of the matcha. There's perfectly proportioned packets that are easy to mix with water whenever I need to pick me up, so easy to make a consistent self-care ritual. Peak is offering you, the Heal Thyself listener, 15% off of their sun goddess matcha plus a free beaker and a rechargeable frother when you go to peaklife.com slash drg they're so confident that you're going to love it there's even a 30-day money-back guarantee no code at checkout just go to p-i-q-u-e-l-i-f-e.com slash drg you're going to get 15 percent off plus all those freebies so we were, we were chatting a little bit about trauma and how like that's a, a topic of interest for you a topic of interest for me how do you see trauma in the body and the mind, how do you see it affecting us? Is there a way to start have working with the body to release it or the mind? However, you see it, I'd love to know what your take is on that. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the first thing everyone should do is read "The Body Keeps a Score." It's like an incredible, incredible book that really brings to the forefront how traumatized we each are, and to varying degrees, right? And I think we have, for the longest time, thought of trauma with a big T, like tragic life event, big occasion, this happened, you know, abuse, assault, that sort of stuff. And yes, like that is a traumatic moment. But there are also little cuts, these little moments of trauma, which we can refer to as emotional wounds if it makes us feel better, mm -hmm. but it's still really trauma, right? And familial trauma is what the majority of us are, are really working with. And it's what I see day to day when it comes to students coming to meditation um, or, or, or spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. It's like there's some degree of trauma that we've experienced. And like yoga and meditation can be a way that we don't want to feel that trauma, right? That's why so many of us are meditation teachers because we're traumatized and then we find something and we're like, this is healing, I'm going to dive into it. 
But the majority of us, and I'll put myself in there as well, is that we haven't duly processed our own trauma. Mm -hmm. And so trauma can show up in many ways. It can show up in the fact that we refuse to engage in conversation around topics that are uncomfortable. We can uh, respond with anger in moments where it's just really not needed. Um, it can re res we can respond in the opposite of that, where we just shut down, right? And, and we refuse to engage. Um, and so the way that we work with it from the, the perspective of meditation is to first create a safe space to be able to experience it. And you should definitely work with a skilled meditation teacher. If you are planning on working with, with trauma and you know and you're actively aware of what that trauma is, and there are thousands and millions of amazing meditation teachers, I also encourage people to work with a therapist mm. as well. I think the combination of meditation and therapy is undefeatable. Like it is the, for me the most potent combination, right? Along with a healthy diet mm. and, you know, friendship, all of those things. But then if we're talking about specifically with curiosity, exploring meditation and the relationship with trauma, then it's creating a sense of friendship around our bodies. And a lot of us don't have uh, a relationship of friendship with our bodies. We hate our bodies, um, be it, you know, just by the very um, physical appearance of our bodies, but also energetically, we don't really like to engage with our bodies in, in a way that is conducive to learning about it, in, in a way that's conducive to becoming friends with it. A particular practice that I work with is a practice that my one of my mentors, Scott Tusa, learned from his teacher, Sonia Rinpoche, who's like one of the greatest um, Tibetan meditation teachers out there. It's called handshake practice. Uh, it's a practice in which we're cultivating awareness of our body and we're meeting that awareness of our body with the field of compassion. And what that really means is that if I notice, for example, and I'm meditating and all of a sudden I notice like a tension underneath my ribs and what we learn in meditation is if your mind gets distracted by a physical thing, bring your attention to that. Don't just be like, no, I'm focusing on my breath. Mm. Like bring attention to that. If we bring attention to that little ache underneath my ribs and we're really present to it and we say, you're allowed to be here, right? Instead of what is this, get rid of it. What it usually reveals is an underlying, uh, an emotional wound that could be anger. And for me, it's usually anger, actually. That's the one I've been working with a lot for the last four or five years. Mm -hmm. If I create space for this anger, what gives rise to that is usually a sadness. And at that moment, I'll feel anger in my meditation. Like I'll allow myself to feel it. And this is tremendously healing because like we talked about before, a lot of us don't want to feel these things. And if you can create a safe space in your meditation to feel the anger or feel the sadness or feel the loneliness, it's like a wound that's just open and you're letting it bleed dry. Once it's been bled dry, you can then tend to it, mm. right? But if it's an open wound and straight away we're like, I don't want to feel this one, I feel, yeah. I feel the blood just keeps on dripping out, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the same analogy when it comes to meditation. Allow yourself to feel the full weight of your experience and then create some compassion around it, create some spaciousness around it. Wow. And if it becomes overwhelming, for sure, stop, work with a psychologist, work with a you know, skilled meditation teacher. But what I do know from my 15, 16 years of practice is that the only way that we can genuinely move through difficult emotions and feelings is to be able to feel it. Mm -hmm. To be able to feel it. And how important that, that one line is because we don't, know how to feel. We don't learn how to feel. Society teaches us what, especially as men, mm. we ain't supposed to feel at all. Especially if, you know, you come from uh, a family who is 
you know, the generation from outside, let's say an immigrant uh, and old school masculinity where you can't yeah. feel, then, then it's propagated right to you and then your kids. And it's such an important practice, man. Right, right. And, and we take what we learn, you know, like consciously or unconsciously from, from what we're surrounded by. Mm-hmm. So a lot of what we're walking around with is not our own doing. Like we're not responsible for the way that we feel. I think that's also really important to call out because sometimes we can walk around feeling like we're not enough. There's something wrong with us. And again, like that's simply not true. Like at our essence, we are basically good people. We are basically whole and complete. And we're walking around with these emotional wounds that we've inherited or that we've experienced of no fault of our own. Mm-hmm. Inherited. And it's not just from family. It's from, you know, school, teachers, right. authoritative figures, even TV, something we learned. And epigenetics tells us it's in our DNA, right? It could be generations upon generations that um, have experienced trauma. So, um, yeah, it's, it's something that's just so prevalent that we should normalize it and talk about it. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that we should be embarrassed about. Mm-hmm. And I love that you just gave us a take home. It's really easy. Meditate. How many of us, I think a lot, most people who listen to the show have tried meditation once. We can sit down with ourselves, but I've been guilty of it. I've been like, oh, you know, what's this pain in my stomach here? Forget it. Let me get back to my breath. Right. I got to get back in this meditation, not knowing that maybe that's what the body was trying to communicate with me. And it takes curiosity, right? Like, oh, can I be curious about this? Like, what is there? And it could be nothing. It could just be like a weird little thing that you've eaten, mm-hmm. um, or it could give rise to something else. And at that moment, there's a deep wisdom that we're just not tapping into. And I love that you said friendship with the body. There was one moment, and it was last year, where I was in this ceremony, and uh, it was like it was a sound ceremony, and I was so deep. And then I, I came to the place where I swear I was having a full mental conversation with my body, like I was asking it questions, and it was it was answering me by contracting a part of my body, like spasming it, until. I, I kept asking the question, asking the question. Once the quite once once my theory like, is it was it this, was it this, was it this? Once I got yes, it relaxed it like wow. like just a valve being released. And I swear it was playing a game for 45 minutes to an hour. But ever since then, I've I've laid down in bed every morning and I check in with my body really quick. I say, Hey, you know, how like how are you feeling? Where can I give love? Yeah. Is there what do I feel off? And I really feel into it. And I swear, me and my body. I sound like a crazy man, I know, have a full relationship with each other. Right. And it's been developing just in the past year after yeah. what, 36 years of life. Yeah. Crazy. It's it's wild and it's you're having a relationship with yourself. It's, yeah. Yeah. And that's really what it is. Like you're you're learning to uh, be a friend to yourself. Mm-hmm. And the same way that you would be a friend to your best friend, you would listen to them, you would take in what they're saying, you would give advice when it's needed, you would see when they're off on the wrong path or the right path. You do the same thing with yourself. And it's a lifelong journey for many of us, you know, men included, right? Um, it's that let's listen to what our bodies are saying because intuitively, usually there's something there that we're not tapping into. Mm-hmm. For sure. And we, and as men, like you said, we don't even know until the pain's like inflaming us, until we have right. the symptoms. And you, what you're teaching is the subtleties of listening to the body before that even occurs. Because I am a believer that those trapped emotions grow and grow and grow to a manifestation of disease. Like I believe it. I've mm-hmm. seen it in cancer. I've worked in cancer and I've mm-hmm. seen people heal when they've broken through those emotional wounds and let that body release all that, all that stuff. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I haven't, but I, I, I genuinely believe that pent up emotions have negative mm-hmm. consequences in our life. Mm-hmm. So I love it. So you, okay, check this out. You have a book out. 
I do. You have yeah. a book out. It's released in Australia already? It's just released in Australia two days ago. It's okay. out uh, in North America and the UK in two weeks. Okay. What's the name? It's called Steel Together. All right. And what what are we going to find in this book? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so interesting. The funny story about this is that I got the book deal in 2019. And as is usual with me, I just don't do anything about it. I just like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll end up writing it soon. And the book is about connection. And then all of a sudden, my publisher's like, yo, you need to like get this manuscript in. Like, what's happening? I'm like, okay, cool. I'll start tomorrow. And like literally like next week, the pandemic hit. And I was in Australia. I was locked down for seven months. We were allowed out of the house for one hour a day. And I found myself writing a book about connection when I was disconnected from literally everyone. So the irony on about that wasn't lost on me. But the book is actually exploring the many ways in our life we are disconnected, right? Mm-hmm. From our bodies, from each other, from the present moment and the effects of that. And I talk about technology in there as well. And then we look at ways that we can begin to reconnect, mm-hmm. you know, reconnect with all of these different areas. And specifically, I talk about reconnecting and finding connection with people that we don't agree with and people that we struggle with. And so we explore different mindfulness practices. We look at um, Buddhist, physi- uh, Buddhist psychology. We look at you know personal anecdotes. And it's really an invitation, right? It's an invitation to realize and recognize that we are so disconnected. And now that we're going back into the world, for many of us, we've got social anxiety now. Like I've spent 12 months by myself. How do I reconnect with the modern world? And so it explores that as well. Mm -hmm. I love it. I'm so excited to read it myself. And it'll be out here in the UK in two weeks from now. Um, But probably when this is out, it's going to be like in a few days. So I'm so excited. Um, Also, we can find you out here in California. You're teaching here? Yeah, yes. I'm co-founder of Open. It's a mindfulness platform. You can find us on, on Open and we do live classes every day around breath work, movement and meditation. Mm-hmm. And um, you can find me everywhere else, the usual spots, right? Instagram, Facebook, websites. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, what's your Instagram? Uh, it's just my name, Manoj Dias. Okay, awesome. Manoj Dias. I love it. And now I'm saying it the right way. You can say it the right way. Well, you say it the way that my mom says it, which is Manoj, but everyone else in the world says it Manoj, and, awesome, and I'm okay with both. Awesome, man. And and uh, and for the people who aren't here in person, you do have this like aura, man, I am like grounded around you, you know? Like my head was in the sky. I was thinking about all the things I need to do today, and then you walk in, I was like, so, <laughs> so you know, the the meditation is real, that awareness, the body energy, the aura, it's like people feel it, and um, it's just a testament to everything you've been doing for a while, and I love the work you're doing. For humanity, man. Mm. Like we need to hear everything you're saying and I'm glad that we can get you on the show. Thank you, man. And and thank you as well for the great work you're doing. And um, I appreciate you and I appreciate this chat. I've, I felt, yeah, real lit up by it. All right, man. Awesome segment with Minaj. I told you he is a gift to humanity. Really hope that helped you understanding what your relationship is with your body, how you can better yourself. And look, it ties into the knowledge bomb, like the connection with our cell phones too. If we can bring more presence and mindfulness to our life, we can do this in those moments where we block out those times of being away from our cell phones. So look, thank you for joining. Thank you for reading. Thank you for reviewing, subscribing. If you haven't, rate, review, subscribe, and get on. Do it on iTunes, whatever you use, Spotify if you use it, YouTube if you use it. Support the show and let's expand it. Thank you so much. Much love to you and I'll see you next week.